0: So we, we, we carry on with the Gospel of John because we, as we said, we, we, we're looking at this idea that Jesus is not just a good teacher or just a, a, a healer, but he is God on earth. And what is, what is our, our response to that? So on the first chapter of John, we said that actually the word Logos, and the whole idea that 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 God um, more than just just a teacher, and uh, our response is devotion. Then, when we talk about um, on, um, in the second, um, we spoke about Nicodemus. We said that actually Jesus is is God on earth who makes possible and gives new life, and. The, the, the thing that john the, the the writer is dealing here is is this question of who is Jesus um, again I, I, I remind myself constantly, and I want to remind you again that he is the last remaining apostle and and he wants to 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 put down on paper the the, the lessons and the experience that he has had. Um, with Jesus he wants to put them down on paper and if you read the gospel of John you see and we're going to see it in the passages here is that that he takes an event that Jesus is doing and then he kind of whispers into the passage by trying to to explain that that story and stuff and the point that that, that John is trying to make here is that Jesus in his ministry was misunderstood People deal with with a lot of questions with it. And he was misunderstood. And John is saying that perhaps there is a misunderstanding here that he wants to to clarify. So so we come to this passage in John chapter 9 today. And we're going to read the first 12 verses. And I know it's a familiar uh, story. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who has sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Silam. The word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and he put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash so I went and I washed, and then I could see. And where is this man? They asked him. I don't know. We're going to stop here. May God's name be blessed through the public reading of his word. An outcast of society, sitting, standing on the streets. Of his hometown. Begging for mercy. Is met. By God on earth. And John wants to point out some fascinating facts about this story. He is determined that there is some great lessons here. That that we need to to stop and, and ponder about. Um, the, the, the whole story continues that there is a conversation with the neighbors and then the Pharisees come into the picture and then start telling, uh, asking him how this happened. And he has to tell his testimony several times. So, Jeff, what I want you to do now is to come and stand up here and tell your testimony again for 10 minutes. Is that all right? Yes. But, but that's what's happening. They've, they're asking him to tell what happens. And if you see, as, as he progresses with telling his testimony, the, the story of him meeting with Jesus becomes simpler and straightforward. And for the man who has been an outcast, and he still is an outcast because they've kicked him out of the synagogue and they want to kick out his parents as well, as you read in the story... One thing is very important, and one thing is very clear. I know I came to the street. Somebody had brought me to the street. Or I know my way by, by, by touching, making my way down the street. I came, I was blind. Jesus came to see me, and now I see. It doesn't... Every time I look at this story, it reminds me of... Uh, of a, a lady in my home city when when I was growing up, I mean probably my cousins will will, uh, will remember we, we had a near our, our neighborhood there was a lady Dilechoria, and and she was she was blind, and she used to go every time to the town center every day daily, go to the town center. And make her way back. And sometimes the children would annoy her. Sometimes the children would play her with her. And sometimes some people would be very helpful to her to walk her home. And I cannot think of this story without, without thinking that actually... And she was very poor. She was totally an outcast. And it brings me to this man says, Well, actually, something is true here. I went to beg to my place where I go normally... Jesus came, he put some mud on my eyes, and now I can see. But all of a sudden, this, this story has to be centrifuged into the conversations of the neighbors and the Pharisees and the parents because they cannot identify with the sense that actually this could happen. Well, of course it could happen, because Jesus is God on earth. Even the blind man who hasn't got a name says that actually I have never seen, I've never heard in my life of somebody who to be blind and he's been healed and he's he, he's seeing now. So the story is, is phenomenal and is becoming a point of conversation here. So the neighbors want to get engaged. They ask him. He tells them. The, the parents, of course, are engaged. And basically, the, the, I love it how John whispers in this passage. He's saying that one of the reasons why the parents didn't want to give the right answer is because they've seen their son being an outcast out of the synagogue, out of that place of worship. And now... They are next. And if they say that he's been with Jesus, that's what's going to happen. So they're very diplomatic about their answer. Because the conversation is, is this man at the right age to give an answer for himself or not? And obviously they're saying he is and therefore ask him. Why do you ask us? Do you want us also out? So, and then the Pharisees, they kept not reconciled with the fact that actually... The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We saw Him full of glory. The light came into His own, and His own did not recognize. That's what's happening here. But the revelation that this guy has about Jesus is phenomenal. Because Jesus approaches him and to his limit understanding of what Jesus is, he recognizes actually the man that they call him Jesus, he came and put some mud on my eyes. And then they ask him again and he probably has come more to his senses in saying that actually this cannot be done just by a random bloke down the road. And he's, he's a little bit more from that because actually... Perhaps he's a prophet, and the prophet have got these this miracle powers, and then his revelation expands a little bit more. The story becomes simpler, and the revelation of who Jesus comes becomes bigger. And he says, "No one can do this unless he was sent from God." Unless God had not sent him, no one could do this. And then finally, as he we, we're going to look at that passage, uh, at those verses uh, in a few moments. When he encounters Jesus, let's read that towards the end of chapter 9, verse 35. So this is the time that the Pharisees have just kicked him out of the city. They have nothing to do with him. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and he found him. And he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him in fact he is the one that is speaking to you and the men said lord i believe and he worshiped him i've chosen a greek word every every time I, we've spoken about uh, John. And I'm really fascinated with the Greek word, seeing. And um, the, 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 the word that is, is used here is the hierakos, which the base word is horao, and it means perceive, I've witnessed, I have, I've recognized. And, and, and Jesus is saying here, yeah, you're looking for the Son of Man, here I am, behold. And that causes this gentleman then to call him Lord and to bow on his knees. But it's very interesting how John is very, very particular about the language that he uses. Light, seeing, darkness, not seeing, life, death, all these things that are part of of John's vocab, he's trying to, because he has seen it for himself, and he's very... Keen that, that the, the, the purpose of the gospel remains the same. That actually, the reason why he's telling these stories is that other people who hear, who hear these stories come to that same place that they may believe. John 20, verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life. In his name. John doesn't want to waste time. He wants us to see. He wants the Pharisees to see. He wants the family of this gentleman to see. He wants uh, Jerusalem to see. That actually by him being here. And by him exposing the blindness of this gentleman. And exposing ultimately the blindness of the Pharisees. He is displaying The works of the Father in heaven. And I just wonder whether we can ask that question today. Do you believe in the Son of Man in the midst of hopelessness? I I, I don't know, but but you, you read this story and there is not much hope for this man. Apart from people giving him some money. If they dare to or if they want to. And there is a lot of hopelessness going about as well. In the way that we we hear the news, switch on, just go to BBC. And you see how, how, how gloomy the situation is. Even, even the conversations about Brexit that we have, from whatever side you, you look at it, there is a lot of hopelessness. And I just wonder if, if we as a church of God find our voice and we are able to proclaim and we're able to call to you believe in the Son of Man in the midst of hopelessness. Well, what's going on in the passage is also that there is theological questions. Whose fault is it for this man to be blind? The problem is not with having questions. The problem is what do we do with the questions that we have? And where is the source of our answers? I think the Church of God is always in the mode to be defensive about God, and and we've taken this stance to defend God, when actually we know He's sovereign. But the the question that we ask ourselves then is: What is the source of our answers? Do you believe that the source of our answers, and we actually? Perhaps it's good for us to say as a church, we haven't got the answer. And that's much more wiser than we try to give an answer and we do a bad job with it. What is happening in the passage as well is a lot of intolerance. What's going on in our society today is also a lot of intolerance. Do we believe in the Son of Man in the midst of intolerance? And what is our source of peace? What is our source of of trying to bring reconciliation as God's people? And how is the work of God being displayed through His church in this generation. Unbelief. There's lots of that. There is like that in the passage. The Pharisees could not identify with the fact that actually this could happen. Nobody can do that. It's not, it's not possible. <laughs> what is the source for our faith Today. I've been listening to uh, some uh, sermons today, uh, this week on the Gospel Coalition Conference. And one of the questions that um, one of the speakers was asking is, what is the source that feeds our faith? And how are we feeding our faith? Is this just something that we've got? A, a, a head knowledge and therefore that becomes the source or is our faith daily fed on God's words and our experience of him and the revelation of who he is problem solving they want to sort it out in the passage here They've got, they, 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 they want to put the right pieces of puzzle in the right places isn't that familiar does it that, does that ring a bell I think as people, we we, we, we have become very problem-solving people. We want to to sort it out and move on. But what is the source of our problem-solving? Well, look at what has happened with the conversation about Brexit. If we try and solve something in a human way, we're going to make a mess. Guaranteed. If God is part of the story, if God is part of the picture, and he's part of the problem solving, he doesn't make a mess. And lastly, one of the things that is going on in the passage here is the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees. Normally, when you read a story like this, I try not to over spiritualize things. So, when you read the story of me, yes, I, I take it that that's just a story of somebody being healed from blindness. But John wants here to develop a theological understanding that actually is not talking only mainly dealing with the physical blindness of an, individu- of an individual. But he's using that as a stepping stone to address something which is bigger. And that big thing is the spiritual blindness. So, um, there is, there is a, a difficult verse there. And it's verse 39. And it talks about judgment. It says, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind." And some Pharisees who were with him heard this and asked, "What are we blind to?" Jesus said, "If you were blind, you'd not be guilty of sin. but now that you claim, your guilt remains." So when Jesus is talking about judgment here, the word that is used here is a word that's a pronunciation. Of a decision, so it is a a judicial term. And so the idea here is that Jesus came to pronounce the decision on the ungodly like a judge. The blind people who came to sight admit that they are helpless and therefore encounter Jesus' salvation. But those who think that they see, they're blinded by self-trust and pride. And this is what Jesus is trying to address here. That the religious blindness, could be, it's, it's, it's paralyzing to the work of the kingdom. And I think this is where us as Christians... Us as God's church, we can learn from this. Because it's important that we keep looking at our blind spots. And that we don't become a hindrance for what God wants to bring here. But yet, we realize that we're in holy ground. And if God is going to be doing business with us, He is going to address that. Because as we've said, that he's not just a good teacher. He's not just a a healer. He's much more than that. He is God on earth who exposes blindness and brings life and light. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Well, I do. I do because I've I've not been given any other, other any other argument better than this. I've not been given any other option other than just to believe in the son of man. I don't see any hope anywhere else. I don't see any remedy in anywhere else. I don't see anything any resolution in anywhere else apart from Jesus Christ. Do you believe in the Son of Man? The purpose that John wrote this is very clear. That he says there, he could have written many, many other stories. Many, many other stories. He's chosen a few. Just to help us to source our faith in the Messiah. And by sourcing our faith in the Messiah, we choose life. And by sourcing our faith in the Messiah, we choose light. So we've got a response, Church of God. We've got a response, Cairns people. And our response is, Yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord, I want to embrace your lights. Yes, Lord, I want to embrace your life. Yes, Lord, I believe. Please reveal yourself afresh to me. Pre- please reveal yourself afresh to us so then we know. That the works of the Heavenly Father are displayed by this work that you're doing with us. I want us to take a moment. You've got the notice sheets there if you want to make use of that. Just take a moment and we're going to pray together. Perhaps God has brought your attention today to a verse, to a song, to a scripture, to something. And I want us to make use of this moment. And then we're going to pray together. Thank you, Father God, for this opportunity you've given us today to meet as your people. I Thank you, Lord, that we have been able to worship you through different parts of the service. And my prayer, Lord Jesus, that as we source our faith and believe in you and as, if, as we have a fresh revelation a progressive revelation like this gentleman in our story here today that because of our belief in you we will fall down on our face and worship you not just with our last song Lord but with our lives until our last breath until we see you face to face Thank you that God Almighty, in his mercy and his grace, is dealing with people to this very day, Lord. He's dealing with people like like that blind man. Thank you, Lord, that in, in your greatness, you chose to come down to earth and you dealt with us. And you're still dealing with us. I'm aware that um, perhaps there are people here that um, God has challenged today with a particular action. As I'm praying, I'm just thinking of, of um, that same, same word that has come two weeks ago in our elders' meeting, that word entrenchment. And I'm aware that perhaps you've tried many times on your own strength. Well, I have. The opportunity is that you now allow Jesus to break the Sabbath because of his love for you. to hand over his hand and pull you up of that entrenchment thank you Father God that through the Lord Jesus we're able to give you our hands and you say pull us up give us life Give us light. We want to see you. We want to believe you. We want to worship you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.